Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Alan. Today, we are going to take a look at a one man's story from terminal cancer diagnosis to CEO and co-founder of a 60K plus member real estate investment firm. Rich Fetik is the author of The Wise Investor, a modern parable about creating financial freedom and living our best life. He is a licensed real estate broker active investor and co-founder of Real Wealth, a real estate investment group that helps 60-plus members improve their financial intelligence, secure passive income, and obtain financial freedom. He is also the author of Extreme Success and the audio program Momentum. He is a pioneer in the field of business and personal coaching, And Rich is the former vice president of the International Coach Federation, and he holds one of the CI of the ICF's first master certification coach credentials. So, Rich, take us into the show and share a memorable experience that helped you to be who you are today. All right. Good to be here. Yeah. um, Really, what's made me who I am today. One of the big factors was when I was eight years old, I was doing so lousy in school that my mom took me into Massachusetts General Hospital to have me tested to see what was going on. And they diagnosed me with hyperkinetic disorder, which today they would call ADHD. They didn't have it back then, that diagnosis. So I was put on Ritalin and put in classes for the learning disabled. Mm -hmm. And so that had a pretty big impact on my self-belief and that inner gremlin in my head that told me that I was stupid, I'd never amount to anything. And then I even have a whole bunch of report cards that my mom saved that I that I still have that say, lacks what it takes to succeed. So mm-hmm. I had this you know, self-belief thing that just told me I would never make it in life. I didn't even graduate with my high school class. I had to go back to summer school. And so I just constantly had that voice until I discovered weight training. And about junior year in high school, I started to lift weights and I started to learn how to develop discipline and willpower. And through that of setting goals of how much I wanted to weigh, how much I wanted to lift, it really turned things around for me. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, I, I got this. I, I, I can set my intention on something. I can stick to it. And so it really changed my self-belief. I started to apply those same type of lessons and realizations to my educational goals went on to get a, a business degree, went on to open my own health club when I was 23 and successfully sold that before moving to California. So it completely, completely turned my life around. And so I went from, and I still have that voice, of course, I still have that inner gremlin that says, you know, you're stupid and all that. So I've put my focus on wisdom and wisdom being not so much about intelligence and IQ, but experiences gained and lessons learned over the years and ancient wisdom from going all the way back to the Stoics to some of the best books today. So that's been, that's been my focus, everything from real estate investing to becoming a better version of myself. Very interesting, Rich. And we share a common experience. Essentially, I have dyslexia 
which was never diagnosed. And so I was a very, very lackluster student throughout high school and really through my undergraduate college years. In fact, my high school counselor, uh, you know, we took these various different achievement tests and what have you. And it was his recommendation that I not go to college, that in fact, I go to a trade school. And so I always tell my students today that story and tell them, and today I have a PhD. And get that. (laughs) And yet, and yet, like you, I still have have that voice in my head that I'm mm. just not really all that smart and that intelligent, and it's a fluke that I've gotten. A Isn't it wild? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I've coached thousands of clients over the years, and everything from CEOs to successful entrepreneurs, and just all different types of people. And the bottom line, one one thing I ask in that initial session is. What's that voice inside your head, that negative voice, that gremlin? What is it? What's the lie? What does it tell you? And every single person has that inner voice that tells them they're not enough or they're not going to succeed or something like that from different reasons. It doesn't matter if they're, you know, very intelligent and they were a straight A student. They still have a limiting voice that tells them something else about them. It's really wild. So realizing it, understanding it, and knowing how to deal with it, I think is the key. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you discovered your grit at a much earlier age than I did. I mm. didn't I didn't find really my voice until I was 40 years old. So, oh, um, wow. mm-hmm. <laughs> it can happen anytime I I can look back and I can regret that it didn't happen sooner, but you know, life takes us on different journeys. Yeah. Well, Rich, there's a lot of financial investing books out there and you have written a couple of those why are yours different? Yeah. I mean, this new book is called The Wise Investor, and it's a modern parable. It's about creating financial freedom and living your best life. And what makes it different, and yeah, there's so many good and great books out there on, on financial intelligence, on real estate investing, on any of that stuff. And so what makes this book different is that it's a story. And so it's kind of like an Kind of like blending rich dad, poor dad, which Robert Kiyosaki wrote the forward for the wise investor. I'm honored to say that, but it's like taking rich dad, poor dad, and the richest man of Babylon and the alchemist and kind of blending them all into one book. So it has that story parable format with the lessons woven into it. And the reason I did that is because I read a statistic about 86% of people who start a nonfiction book do not finish it. They mm-hmm. don't finish a nonfiction book. And so I, and my first book was a regular nonfiction personal development book. So I didn't want that to happen with this book. I wanted to have a book that would make a difference for people and that would elicit an emotional change. And the way to do that, I've learned is through story that as human beings, we remember stories and we're moved by stories. We're moved into action. So that's why I wanted to write a compelling parable that weaves the lessons that I've learned over the last 25 years as a business coach. And over the last 19 years as an investor and working with thousands of investors all into one story that would elicit a change for people and help them get their lives better. Absolutely. Stories are so compelling and, mm. and we live through our own stories, be they fictional or be they reality. It is our own stories that really guide our own life and, and other Absolutely. people's stories compel us forward in so many different ways. So thank you for writing that book. I'm going to have to get hold of it myself here. Thank you. Why did you start investing in real estate, Rich? 
through desperation, honestly, <laughs> it was that first book that came out that I had. I had it was I was 37 years old. It was 20 years ago. I had a thriving coaching practice. I had just signed a book deal with Simon and Schuster. Feeling on top of my game. I was giving keynote speeches all over the country. Feeling just amazing. Like, yeah, I'm accomplishing all my goals. And then I was diagnosed with melanoma, which is the most advanced form of skin cancer. And the doctors thought that it had spread to my liver through several tests, a CT scan and ultrasound. And so I met with an oncologist and he looked up at me after looking at my file and he said, it looks like it's spread to your liver. You probably have about six months to live. And it just punched me in the gut. I had a 10-year-old daughter, a three-year-old daughter. Just It just really rocked my world. And my wife, Kathy is who's my business partner now. She was a stay-at-home mom at the time. So she's like, what am I going to do for, for an income with Rich gone? I was the main, main breadwinner. And so she started to seek out mentors. She started to talk to financially successful people. And she, most of them were real estate investors. And one of them was a mortgage broker. So he started to teach her about real estate investing and how she could do it. This was back to 2002, 2003, where it was not that difficult to get a loan, right? Back in those days. But what we did is we did a cash out refi on the house that we had, that we had just bought when we got married. And we took that money. We went to, well, it was in the San Francisco Bay Area. We took that cash out refi money and invested in, in several investment properties north of Dallas, Texas. And that got us starting, started just on being real estate investors, we started to see things different. Thankfully, the doctor's diagnosis was wrong. The melanoma had not spread to my liver. It was a misdiagnosis. They call it a false positive. But it was enough after the surgeries to remove the melanoma. That was enough of a scare to really just push us into action, to get us out of that, you know, only thinking one way of like, need a job, need that this is the way we make income. And and so that was a, that was a start into it. And then what happened is we started to have friends and family say, how are you doing that? How are you investing out of state? How are you living in California, investing in Texas? And so we said, well, let's form a, let's form a group of investors where we can support each other. We can show people how we're doing it. And we thought it would maybe be about 100 people. And today that group is, became our company, Real Wealth, is over 64,000 members today that we've helped create financial independence. So it's quite the blessing. So with every curse comes a blessing, they say, right? Often, yes, Rich, that is the case. And certainly in your mm -hmm. case, it certainly was. You know, people with a diagnosis such as you received that you have six months to live, many people would just crawl into their shell and say it's over with and it's done with. And I'm just going to accept my fate. What is it about you that was different that you said, I'm not going to accept my fate? Yes, I may be dying here, but I'm going to leave a legacy. One of the Big turning points for me, the big turning point for me, you know, I had done a lot of personal development work, a lot of workshops. I even met Kathy in a personal development workshop in San Francisco. So I was all about goals and believing in self-belief and the I am statement and all that good stuff. And at the same time, I still, I remember meeting with this one person who he called himself a spiritual healer and Kathy set it up for me and just like a, just in case, let's try this. And I met with this guy and he was asking me questions. And I said, you know, 80% of the time, I believe I'm going to live. I'm going to make it. But 20% of the time I go into this, woe is me. I'm not going to see my daughters grow up. I'm not going to meet my grandchildren. I cry. I worry and, and all that. And he looks at me really intense. And he just says, from this point on, I never want you to say that again. 
I never want you to put your attention on that 20%. From this point on, you believe 100%. Whenever doubt comes into your mind, you tell yourself that you're going to be 100% cancer-free. You're going to survive this and you're going to be fine. That's vital. And it was this, at first I got a little pissed at him. I'm like, how dare you tell me what to do and all this stuff, you know, that inner voice. But I slept on it. And the next morning I woke up and I was like, you know what? He's right. What, what's it going to get me to focus on that 20% that I'm going to die? Nothing. It just creates stress and worry and all the things that make cancer worse. Right. So it was that point when I just completely just kicked in that I'm going to be fine. I'm going to recover and really turn things around for me. And now I've applied that same type of lesson to other things, you know, like, you know, with the current economy and everything that's going on with us and interest rates going up and the crazy inflation and all that. And everyone talking about recession, you know, gloom and doom. It's like, no, I'm not going to put my attention there. What's that going to get me? I'm going to be, I'm going to be realistically optimistic. I'm going to be realistic, but I'm not going to put my attention on the worry and the stress. I'm going to look at the solution. Well, Rich, I can certainly understand why you would be angry with him. It was your experience and you were the one dying. And who is he to yeah. tell you to tell you what mm. to do? Yeah. But you have that amazing capacity to to sleep on that and come out on the other side and change your life because of Yeah, I'm super grateful for that. Yeah, for sure. Rich, you had mentioned the the 60 plus K network that you have in place. Tell us about that network and tell our viewers and listeners how it is that they can take advantage of that as well. Yeah. So we called the company Real Wealth way back in the beginning, in 2003, when we formed it, because we wanted to do something more than just focus on money. With our personal development background, we knew that money wasn't the only answer to happiness, right? I think we all know that. We hear it. But we really put our intention and our flag in the ground of real wealth is about having the money, but also the freedom to live life on your own terms. So that was our focus. And so that is our purpose is helping people create real wealth. And we said, how can we do that? It started small and organically, just like I was saying, helping people invest out of state. We started to connect with property managers and brokers around the country who had investment properties available. We would invest through them and then our friends and family and then people who started to join our network. We became basically like a real estate investment club in a way. We would have monthly meetings and educate people. And we've always, always have it our education free. We've never charged for our, we've produced almost a thousand webinars now, educational webinars, our podcasts, our, our content, all that stuff. Our, even our investment counselors meet with our members for free and help guide them. And so the way it works is I'm a real, I'm a licensed real estate broker. And so I can refer investors to other brokers around the country that we vetted, that we've looked at the markets, their emerging markets. They have single family properties available, one to four units. And some of our property teams also have multifamily available. And so when we refer an investor to them, it's kind of, it's basically like a win-win-win because we send the investor to them. The investor finds inventory and properties that are quality with good property management in place. The broker over there and the property teams benefit because they're getting these qualified, great investors and people who about to buy their properties. And then we win because we get the broker referral fee, like in any real estate transaction, the broker gets the piece of it. So that's how we're compensated. So it's this true win-win-win where, and then it just it just grew from there. We had more and more people and they were telling their friends and bringing their friends and family in saying, hey, this is how I'm investing. And honestly, it just it just grew organically over the years. So 
I remember when we first hit 200 members at Real Wealth, you know, we're tracking how many members were part of the network and we're so excited. We're jumping for joy. And then we hit a thousand and that was a new celebration. Then we hit 10,000. And so now it's, it's still a celebration, you know, each time we hit a new milestone, but we're not stopping. It's not slowing down. It's really cool. Fascinating story and, and fascinating how you would think giving away all of your content, what a stupid thing to do. And yet <laughs> it is that giving that has really developed that enormous network that you have in place there. Mm, yeah, thank you. Let's go back to your book, Rich. Are the characters in your book, are they actually based upon real life people? Or are they fictitious? You know, it's a, kind of a blend. It's a, it's a fictitious story, but based on real people and real stories. So with, you know, over 60,000 members in our network, often what we'll do is we'll interview our members who have become successful with investing and have created financial freedom. And so a lot of their stories of where they were and what they did to get there and where they are now, those stories were very influential on me in writing the story and writing the characters, the mentor. And then, of course, you know, it weaves in and my, the mentor in the story is really my future self. If I turn out to be wiser and better and, and, and even more successful, but it's a lot of that. When I was writing the story and thinking about the protagonist, his name is Ryan Brooks, and he's mid-40s. He's a hardworking family man. He works so many hours and makes a good six-figure income. He has a, maxes out his 401k, but He's working so many hours and his lifestyle exceeds his expenses, exceeds his income that he just doesn't have time for his life or his, his wife or his kids or anything. And then he meets this new friend and mentor who basically guides him and shows him the lessons on not only becoming his best self and improving as a husband, as a dad, to be more present, to get in better shape, but he also teaches him about investing and how to get into that savings to invest cycle that we know so well that really ends up helping him become more wealth I mean, wealthy in more ways than he thought possible really about financial security about growing so it it shows his life over this five-year period and what happens what he does the lessons he learns and how he gets to a place of being truly wealthy in in so many ways sounds like a Fascinating story, Rich. And even though it's based on real life characters, there has to be a whole lot of creativity that went into that process. Mm. Rich, from what I understand, the mentor is certainly favors real estate investing. Why is it that he is set on real estate as an investment vehicle? Yeah. And then, you know, the, the mentor goes over that, you know, he says, I invest in stocks, I have gold and I invest in real estate. And then, and there's actually this fun dinner conversation where the mentor and his wife and the protagonist, Ryan and his wife are all having dinner together. And the mentor goes over the difference between if you take $200,000 and you put it into gold or into the stock market, even on margin, and into real estate. And he kind of walks through that process of where he would be in 10 years at the same appreciation rate, which they all basically kind of go up about that same, you know, 5%-ish inflation rate. And then so he shows them at the end of 10 years, the difference. And so one of the big reasons the standout is those five benefits of the way you can make money through real estate investing. And it's, he talks about the, you know, the appreciation, the monthly cash flow, the amortization where your tenants are paying off your mortgage, the hedge against inflation, which we need nowadays so much. So I really, it was important to me and the, the reason I was so like committed to this story 
and so excited about it is because Americans tend to be marketed to, I guess, from Wall Street. And it's when you talk about someone, you, you say investing, the first thing they think is the stock market and the Wall Street casino, if you will. <laughs> so I invest in stocks too. You know, I just do it in a, in a it's it's just a part of my portfolio and Kathy and me. And so there's something about that lack of awareness and lack of education and real estate investing has always been kind of more of a mom and pop, either the big institutional investors who do the big deals and the commercial deals, or it tends to be the mom or pop, mom and pop who have, you know, maybe one or two little rentals that they manage themselves. And so there's, this is kind of that bridge between the people that I've met in real estate investing who have scaled their business, who own multiple investment properties, who's maybe started with single family properties and then graduated into multifamily and then moved on from there, like the mentor has into self-storage and into mobile home parks and so many ways of investing in real estate. And that's what I've learned over the last 19 years and, collect, and meeting with people and friends and being like, how did you get to where you are? You know, I have a friend who's got four amazing houses and a jet <laughs> and he started with nothing. He's, he was broke and he's not one of these guys that you look at and you're like, he's just one of these flashy guys who just made his money in a weird way. He made his money by helping people through affordable housing, by something growing, something great. And he gives back. And so the, the mentor tells these lessons and shares these lessons with his mentoree about the way wealthy people think versus the way poor people think. And so that's one of the way wealthy people think is that they focus on making a difference. The true wealthy people, you know, there's, there's people who are so poor, all they have is money, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, it's a big difference. It's a big difference about having a lot of money and being truly wealthy. And that's one of the main lessons that runs through the whole book. Yeah. I think one of the major examples that we've had in the, the last century here anyway, in terms of having lots of money, but not real wealth is Getty. And what a miserable wreck that person was. Exactly. And, and mm -hmm. just had enormous, enormous amounts of money, but couldn't even relate to his grandchildren. What yeah, a sad right. story. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really sad. It's really sad. And then you compare that with, say, a Richard Branson, who gives back so much and who's just loving life, who goes on adventures and, you know, brings people to his island to connect and starts new companies. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's a, there's a complete flip of a Getty, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Rich, from what I understand, your mentor has a very unique perspective on assets and liabilities. What is his perspective? Yeah, it goes beyond the typical assets and liabilities that we hear about. You know, I think Robert Kiyosaki did an amazing job with Rich Dad, Poor Dad and waking people up to the difference in financial assets versus financial liabilities. He's helped millions of people with, with that approach. And the mentor goes a little beyond that. He looks at a, a wealth a little more holistically, obviously. And so he describes assets as that, anything that will bring you income and anything that will also bring you, an uh, asset can be something that brings you better health or more happiness or more time. And a liability being just the opposite, a liability being something that costs you income or better health or more happiness or time. So it allows us to really compartmentalize assets and liabilities. And we can really look at say, is this an asset in my life? Is this person an asset in my life or are they a liability? Do they add joy to my life and love? And do they support me or are they toxic? Are they a narcissistic? Are they a drain on me? 
Are they always just wanting and asking? So you can really start to look and say, you know, is this person an asset? Yeah, this person's an asset. This person a liability. And you can say, okay, how do I remove the liabilities from my life? And that's, you know, that sometimes that takes courage and faith to, you know, end those relationships. But that's just one example of how the, you know, the mentor explains that. Yeah, that's very interesting, Rich. And looking at assets and liabilities, a lot of people would consider my horses and my cats and my dogs liabilities because they certainly do not produce any income for me. And I, I have no intention of them ever doing that, but I just can't imagine my life without them either. So I consider yeah. them a real, a real asset for me. There you go. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. Rich, let's close this out with, you say there is no such thing as a self-made success. We hear so often people have pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, they're independent, they take care of themselves and so on and so forth, which in my opinion is probably, well, just a lot of BS. So tell us what yeah. you mean by there is no such thing as a self-made success. Yeah, I just, I, same thing. I hear that a lot. Oh, he's a self-made success or she's a self-made success. And I know it takes a lot of grit and a lot of determination, a lot of discipline to succeed, to keep growing, to get better and to be successful, whatever that means to you. However, you look at any of these people who've become successful and you ask them, you know, what did it take to get successful and had, who's helped you in your life? They always have mentors. They always have someone in their life that they speak to about, it was this person who showed me the way or this person who encouraged me. And so that's what I mean by there's no such thing as a self-made success where we're a team made success, where we're a people made success. So it's, it's reflecting on that. And the reason why it's important to look at that is if we get into that mindset of, I need to be a self-made success. I want to be a self-made success. Often what we do is we shut ourselves off. We put on the blinders to who can help. And it's like Dan Sullivan's great book, you know, who not how. It's right. Looking at who can help you. And instead of, you know, when you're going out and you're setting your intention, you're setting your vision, you're setting your goal and you're saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. So often what we do as humans is we're like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And we grind down and we think we just have to clench our jaw and power through and struggle through. But when you come from that place and you say, hmm, okay, this is what I want. This is what I have to do. Who can help me here? Who in my life can help me or who do I need to have in my life? What kind of mentors might I need? All of a sudden it opens up your eyes to, to new awarenesses, you know, who can help you, who can get you on the path. And you're going to create that success and that vision a lot faster with people. Enlightened investors, I know you've enjoyed our show today. What a fascinating story that Rich has shared with us through his life experiences. I look forward to being with you next time. And Rich, thanks so much for sharing your life with us today. Mm, thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com. 